Well, welcome to the show. Hi, Dan. How are you? Hello, Stephen. How are you? I'm really good, thanks. Um, coming up, we're going to new, do new stories in a little bit. Great. But first of all, we've got Hermione Crease from Permetrics on the phone. Hermione, how are you? Hi. I'm fine, thanks very Great. much. Hello, Steve. Hi. Right, so Permetrics, tell us a little bit. How long has, how long has the company been going? So we're a Cambridge-based startup. Um, we've been going for a couple of years now. Right. And uh, tell us, what, what's Permetrics? What actually is it? What do we do? So we are, um, I suppose, an Internet of Things company, mm-hmm. um, right. and we provide analytics on the performance of commercial buildings. So offices, uh, shops, uh, warehouses, farm buildings, pubs, anything like that. And these analytics are driven basically by an array of retrofitable sensors that have a look at what the environment within these buildings is doing uh, and starts to tell us some interesting things about how well the building is performing. So obviously we've got the the first thing is about making sure you optimise the efficiency of the systems you've got in there. I assume, was that the core reason for developing Permetric? Uh, yes, there's a certainly a fairly substantial energy play here. Um, so the backstory on this, I guess, is that the the core of the founding team of Permetrics has spent more than, gosh, more time than I'd care to think about doing product developments for the sort of smart grid and smart meter industry. And I personally am, I think what is best termed, a recovering chartered surveyor. (laughs) (laughs) I I used to work in the sort of commercial property, commercial real estate industry. So I've been aware for quite a long time that of the, if you walk down the high street and you look at the buildings on the high street, um, a lot of them are not terribly energy efficient, shall we say, yeah. putting it kindly. Um, and, uh, and these days there is a lot more emphasis than there used to be on the energy efficiency um, of, of commercial buildings. Um, and in particular, the, the smart meter rollout has focused people's attention upon um, the consumption data, what we're interested in doing is filling in the other side of the, of the picture with effectively the output data. What are you getting for yeah. that energy that you've been consuming? So, um, obviously, building management systems are very, very complex now, aren't they? I think most things are integrated with ventilation, heating, air conditioning, lighting, fuel usage. So, I assume is your, what your product then takes all that data which will be within the building, but then makes it available elsewhere. So it's an interesting one. When we started doing this, we were looking at, essentially we're an analytics business, and in particular we're a business that's interested in what you can learn when you add the where of data to the when and the what, Uh, because this spatial dimension isn't, terribly well explored amongst a lot of analytics and for something like uh, smart grid infrastructure or or smart buildings infrastructure it's actually very important and you can learn quite a lot of exciting things simplest example would be if you have an understanding of the temperature inside a building or the temperature outside the building can you start to infer something about the rate of heat loss in the building yes but you won't be able to do that unless you have the where right yeah Um, so to go back to your question about BMSs, we had a look at what was coming out of BMSs in order to see if we could build analytics based on that. Um, and the thing you have to remember about 
the majority of BMS systems in this country is that they are not like the lovely showcase ones that you see in flagship commercial mm. offices where somebody's just built a, a commercial office and put in yep. the latest shiny trend system. The majority of them are somebody's put in a control system for some lighting and then somebody's bolted on um, an occupancy sensor and then somebody has added in um, a control system for some radiators and the radiators have been taken out two years later and they put or they put some air conditioning in on top of it. So they kind of evolve organically. Mm. And the upshot of all of this is that the data from building management systems is variable in quality. And ultimately, we decided that in order to actually give us a, you know, a good start in life, the best thing to do was for us to provide um, our own sensors capable of collecting uh, good enough quality data to do the sort of analytics that we want to do. Which isn't to say that we won't take the data from BMSs. We have um, the ability to import data in to our system uh, to have to and locate it in space and have a look at it. It's just to say that you know, we need to be. We advise people to practice good data hygiene. <laughs> <laughs> I like that phrase. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, so, so um, that's that's quite. And, uh, I'm just thinking about um, within a um, within a building. Um, or even w- within rooms, that a temperature can can alter quite a lot um, from sort of floor level to ceiling level. And um, I was just wondering, how, you know, how fine are your sensors? Do you need, you know, is it one per room, or or do they have to cover a, a certain sort of um, area? Yeah. Well, that's yeah, and that that is the is the other side of what's going on with building management systems. Mm. Yes, they, they are put in to control a building, and therefore, you know, necessarily, they don't want to be uh, covering the building in uh, in sense. Mm. They just need a sufficient uh, granularity or resolution, I suppose, on mm. the uh, data they're collecting to to achieve the control piece. Uh, so you'll have one thermostat for an office of forty people, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and then somebody builds a meeting room around the thermostat, and it's effectively useless. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, the answer is yes, you get a lot of variation. Um, I will send you some floor plans maybe later, and you can see how much variation you get across uh, larger building areas. Hmm. Um, and the result, what we want to do is make sure that people can get their hands on that data cheaply enough. Mm-hmm. So it's important, for example, that the sensors that we provide people are you know, pre, uh, low cost and are actually cheap in terms of being able to work with them. They're very easy to deploy and the web service is very easy to deploy. Because okay. that retrofitting is always yeah. an issue, isn't it? And it can be so it hard. It absolutely for, is. Whether it's getting the data transmitted back to the base station. I mean, how, how do your sensors work? Are they hardwired or Bluetooth or Wi-Fi? Well, in order to speak to that point about ease of use, they have to be wireless. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and for propagation within a building environment, we're using uh, sort of base level of 433, uh, which is the same wireless frequency as you use for um, car key fobs. Okay. Um, and it also prevents a little bit of contention with things like Wi-Fi. Um, and, you know, but it is, only supports very small amounts of data which is fine because we only want to be sending very small amounts of data because the other thing that we need to do is make sure these sensors will last on a single battery for a good long period of time. 
And and how how big are the sensors? Because I'm just thinking, if you're retrofitting them, you don't want you know mm. you know <laughs> sticking out sort of on the wall or whatever. Yeah. No, that they're bottle cap sized. Oh, okay. All well, oh, right, really yeah. small then. Yeah. That's yeah, really good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay, a big bottle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a huge bottle. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> no, we... no, they're, 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 they're around forty-five mil. Um, oh, okay. Across. Yeah, really small. Okay. So yeah. Um. So what's the hardest bit of it, you know, setting up a business is difficult enough as it is. So, how hard has it been, and what's the most difficult thing you've had to overcome for Pometric? The hardest bit? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, this is a, the hardest bit is actually finding, uh, finding customers um, and, and essentially supporting them um, as, as into a fairly fairly new mindset um, so a lot of our so the, 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 the people who are charged who are tasked with looking after commercial buildings um, generally these days it's not the people who are occupying the building you know, it's a facilities management business or a building services engineering business yeah. uh, that's got a contract to you know, look after the estate um, and these guys are keenly aware of the fact that uh, data can be their friend and that data can produce real operational efficiencies for them and real wins for their customers. But they're not data ninjas. You know, yeah. it, that's not their day job. Um, so what we have to um, do is to um, create a set of tools that make it straightforward for them to um, produce uh, new uh, new new analyses, and for them to you know, be able to communicate those analyses to their customers as something that is uh, uh, sort of viable and and something that they, that they should be paying attention to. Mm. Uh, so, really, I think the thing that I really I find really interesting and exciting is watching customers begin to understand that they can, anything that they, any problems that they see that they see often, sort of classic problems with building services, uh, for example, um, a very classic one is the, uh, a building control system for uh, HVAC, heating, ventilation, and air conditioning system, Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, that is running outside operating hours and is in fact reaching the right temperature for an office hours before anyone takes occupancy so wasting energy that's a very classic one um and you don't need to dig around in the data to see that happening with the web service we're offering we've got a simple analytic where you drop um the the sensors into an analysis and it it says you know last week the, the the you could have shaved two hours off the operating time before before your your work day started mm-hmm. um, and, and getting people to talk to us about what those problems are <laughs> so that we can package them up and turn them into an interesting analysis that's the fun bit mm. yes I can imagine and, and, you, and you said that uh, um, you, you were saying that you know the people that are, are using these um, the building management systems aren't data ninjas so there must have been a real um, a bit of work you did around finding ways to present the data in, in, in ways that made sense to them yeah, so I don't want to underestimate them. They oh, no. they know their way around a spreadsheet. These guys, um, what they don't 
typically, uh, with the exception of some of the very biggest uh, providers, uh, typically have a guys who do you know, heavy-duty data science, machine learning, that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's it's bundling up those sorts of uh, insights um, and creating a, a web service that you simply you, you you are able to just take the um, the data that you're interested in drop it, locate it on a plan so you understand where it's coming from and you also have a context of, of why you're interrogating this data, mm. drop it into a web service and then have the result fall out um, in a way that you know, guides some action for you. So um, obviously you talk a little bit about um, it being a web-based Internet of Things type approach. Um, what about security? What have you done around um, the security of your very small devices? Yeah. So these guys are monitoring, not control, is the first yes, thing. to. Yeah. Uh, but having said that, we are um, extremely sensitive to the idea that what we have here is, some, is data that potentially tells you some really quite interesting things about buildings, not least, for example, whether they're in occupation or not. Yeah. Um, so we have used... Um, fairly heavy-duty encryption, taking the data back to the to the web service. But what we have done um, in terms of our overall architecture is to run entirely separate databases for the and our customer's identity. And the um, data is, uh, uh, the two are only resolved at the point where they are presented in the web service. So only at that point is the, is the data effectively identifiable, and that's only effectively to the, to the customer. Brilliant. And, and you can really see that there's um, um, potential savings, you know, a lot of savings that companies can be, it can, and building management um, can, be, um, can make by sort of getting a system like this engaged. Um, Hermione, where, um, how can people find you? So uh, we are at www.permetrics.com. No surprise there. <laughs> uh, if any of your listeners are um, interested in building developments and corporate real estate, there's a big show called Eco Build on next week um, in London. Mm -hmm. uh, we will be there right by the building performance stage, which is obviously where we see ourselves. Mm -hmm. That sounds perfect. Thank you very much. Great. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank you, Hermione. Thank you, Hermione. Nice to talk. Bye. Well, there you go. That's great. There you go, Dan. And so we are now, we've been joined by producer James and Brad is now new to the show. So welcome, Brad. Uh, what we're going to do first, we're going to do a couple of news stories. We are. And I'm going to ask, I'm going to put James's mic up so he can oh, be do part of it. Oh, yeah. Hi, guys. How are you doing? All right. <laughs> Good, thanks. Yeah. So, James, are you ready for honesty? Yes, always. Get constructive. Well, yeah, I know this is going to be good. Get constructive criticism from friends and colleagues in a totally an anonymous way. Would you like that? I get that from Dan every day. Maybe not constructive, but yeah, it's not, not anonymous. And it's either. not anonymous, and he's not a friend or a colleague. No, it doesn't yeah. take any of the boxes. So he doesn't take any of the boxes. But I tell you what, there is a new messaging service. Okay. That is absolutely exploded across the Arab world. What's it called? It is called, uh, it's, it's actually the Arab word for honesty, which is called Saraha. I didn't know you spoke Arabic. No, I don't. No. And I don't <laughs> even know if that's how you say it, James. Thank you for pointing that out. Uh, but Such a gentleman. <laughs> it was created by a Saudi developer mm -hmm. uh, 
uh, Zayn al-Abindi Tafik, uh, sorry to him for mispronouncing his name, who says that the site has, has garnered more than 270 million views and 20 million users in just a few weeks. That's ridiculous. So, Dan, if you wanted to give someone some honest feedback, (laughs) and it was anonymous, how cruel would you be? Um, I I think I'd be honest and constructive, Steve. I think that anonymity means that you can be. You can't hold back, can you? (laughs) Yeah. So... So one of the ones that was posted, <laughs> I've got a couple here. <laughs> February the 16th at 6.17pm, I like you, although I'm married. That was the feedback. <laughs> so he's posted Is that, that a colleague? or she. Yeah, it's not direct to you, James. Oh. Um, yes, somebody has posted that to anonymously to someone. That's nice. Uh, yeah. It's quite nice, that, though, isn't it? It's a very like lovely, you. yeah, sweet thing to say, really, mm. isn't it? Um, yeah, so it is absolutely booming. And it's just in the the Arab world as we speak. It's going to be yeah. spread to the perhaps to the to Europe. Yeah, perhaps we could have a word with HR to see if we could bring Get some it involved system. Yeah, we could bring it in in the office. Yeah, I think it, it could be only end badly. Couldn't <laughs> it? <laughs> Let me give you some frank and honest feedback. <laughs> mm, I wonder where where that would go. Yeah. Anyway, uh, great story there. And uh, what have you got, Dan? Uh, so. Um, so, um, coming up um, in, in the first March, the um, government is going to publish its um, UK digital strategy. Um, and ahead of that, they're going to, uh, all, all around there, they're going to lead a major review into what artificial intelligence means for the uh, country's economy. Okay. And uh, it's claimed that AI could add um, as much as £654 billion to the UK's economy by 2035. Um, however... There are um, um, people suggesting that as many as 250,000 public sector jobs and administration jobs could be replaced by chatbots, artificial intelligence and automation by 2030. But we then see the economy will change into different areas, yeah, won't it? I think so. So you're yeah. talking about repetitive mundane, mundane jobs, mm-hmm. mainly, or greater automation, yep. maybe greater... So James's job. <laughs> yeah, basically James, yeah. Sourcing, unboxing yeah, products. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you'll replace James. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're just giving you some more honest and... Uh, frank. Replace but not anonymous. Replace no, by no. a chatbot. No, we've got steps to go. It's got to be implemented slowly, hasn't <laughs> exactly it? Exactly right. So, yeah. Anyway, so yeah. that's that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a little one, just before we go to uh, the next one. 22,000 hackable webcams in Barcelona according wow. to BBC. Is that on purpose? or I don't know. First of all, one is, that's a hell of a lot of baby monitors in one city. Yeah. yeah. Video. But the other thing is, why did they pick Barcelona? Yeah. I have a no case idea. Study. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, but apparently, uh, they're one of the easiest things to be hacked. And it found more than... 470,000 other types of vulnerable smart device. So, do you say, sorry, do you say baby monitors? It's webcam baby webcam monitors. Bo- so they are web, yeah. uh, Wi-Fi based cameras that you put in your baby's room. Why would someone want you, to hack that? Well, no, because it just, uh, it's just an example of what's yeah. hackable. Uh, the, so yeah, there is a website, uh, uh, it's a search engine website called Shodan and basically it's a search engine for webcams or refrigerators or anything else, IoT. And you can put in whatever you like, and it will tell you the IP or location of unprotected or uh, easily accessible devices. 
bit worrying. Uh, well, that's the way it's going, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So, yeah, uh, it's used, actually, Shodan um, is used by researchers, security professionals, large enterprises, and everybody in between to actually get out there and look at what's where and actually uh, IP. Yeah, I, mean, I think we mentioned it last show. Yeah, it's very actually, important yeah. that people do yeah. take their, the, yeah. their Internet of Things things uh, the security of them yeah. seriously. What they are saying is newer devices already are having improved um, security measures on mm. them. So, yeah, they are actually the... And also it's about firmware being up to date. That's the other issue. So, yeah. Anyway, guys, it's time for this. So, we have this week's unboxing. Fantastic. An item um, discovered, I think, rather than sourced by James. Discovered? I think I'm going to say discovered because it makes it sound like it's some sort of adventure. So, join us on Twitter, Tech Talk Show UK. And also, uh, Periscope, the video will be up, James, yeah? Uh, this one won't quite be Periscope. We're going to put it on YouTube, but oh, okay. we'll put a link to it on put Twitter. A link. So well. there'll be a link on Twitter where you can actually have a look at what we got. Okay. So we have got... So we have got a, um, a smart mic uh, okay. made by uh, Saramonic. It okay. is a professional microphone for iPhone, iPad, or iTouch. Um, so quite nice packaging. It's yeah. classic Black, Black and white, my, a bit, a bit, very um, um, iPhone-ish mm. type, would you say? Yeah, I would say so. So, uh, I assume we need a smartphone, do we? Well, yeah, Dan's isn't going to cut it, I don't think. No. Oh, what, he's steam-powered? Yeah. No, no, yeah. no, so it's, it's for iPhones only, Steve. So. Oh, is it really? Oh, look what I've got in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> An old iPhone. So, uh, quite <laughs> small packaging, it's got loads of details. It's, it's not easy to get into. No, no. no, no so, we can, see, we can see the, um, the camera through a, a clear Perspex cover to it. It's um, it's it's quite nice functional packaging, but it's it's bit not plastic. Exactly. Yeah, I quite like uh, that though. Oh, uh, got oh, a silica gel pack for you. Yeah, don't okay. chew on that. Yeah, yeah don't chew we'll on that. We'll save that for later. Got a warranty card. Don't need that. <laughs> okay, um, I'm gonna have a look okay, at that. Yeah, I tell you what, if I pop out so. So let's have a look at this. It's a Saramonic International. Their website is www.saramonic s a r a m o n i c dot com. And uh, basically, let's have a look at their warranty policy. This is really interesting. They'll repair and replace the product that under the warranty for free during the first year. Oh, there we go. Good. But customers should pay for shipping and insurance charges for returning the product. Oh. That could work out to more than a project. We'll, let's yeah, be honest. We'll bear that in so, mind. Yeah. Um, so, got the, got the microphone in my hand here, and it's, uh, it looks like it plugs into the um, uh, 3.5 mil jack. Does yeah. it really? Yeah. A headphone jack. Yeah, headphone yeah. jack. Um, it, it's also pivots, which is quite good. And it comes with a um, a muffler for it. Say that word again. Muffler. <laughs> okay. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Right. I have no so idea. I'm, I'm going to hand it to you. So no. we've got a fantastically small uh, little device. Mm-hmm. It's funny. It's uh, quite nice feel uh, rubbery plastic. Um, it's, yeah. Great, actually. Uh, very small. No buttons on it, I don't think. No, no. I don't, didn't see it. And as I said, it pivots. On so I need to plug it in. Yep. I've plugged it into my phone. <laughs> All without help. Yeah. Technology. Um, so what happens now, Dan? Because actually nothing um, is actually happening. Yeah, it's, it doesn't actually come with any... So I think it's basically... Uh, it augments 
what you've already got at your own uh, right. so, so now it's just a case of yeah, I am now going to go to voice recorder yeah splendid so and I'm going to shove the microphone <coughs> hang on a second it's just calibrating audio engine what? I've never had that before so I am now going to press record so here we go I'm pressing record I'd like it record quality in high and I've now pressed record. I've got a little voice meter and I'm holding it right next to my microphone. So we've got output going to both and we'll see what the quality of it is like. We shall. So go on, Dan. Let me just, I need to operate. Yeah, so, so <laughs> operating technology, your, um, your favourite thing. So Steve's now, um, he's just trying to access the voice recording. He's staring at his iPhone intently. Okay. How's it going? So I'm just putting the volume up. Uh, I'll tell you why. I need to take the microphone out because it's actually plugging up the... Uh, okay. The headphone jack. Yeah. Jack, I assume. Uh, hold on. Right. Oh, there we go. Again. I've now pressed record. I've got a little voice meter and I'm holding it right next to my microphone. Oh, I am so holding it next to the microphone. Deja vu. <laughs> and we'll see. So you can hear that on there, yeah, can't you? Yeah, you can hear that on there, yeah. So what I'm now going to do, this oh. is a back-to-back. Yes. I've unplugged it. Yeah. Should we do another recording? Compare the, um, yeah, shall yeah, we? the quality. This yeah. is almost scientific, James. <laughs> what do you reckon, Peer, Dave? Peer review. Yeah. Okay, right, record. So I, oh, God, I just want to record. Let me just record. Here we go. So now what I'm doing is I'm placing my phone in exactly the same position in a very scientific <laughs> manner. <laughs> And we're just recording the output. Would that be enough, James, do you think? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I hope so. Yeah, me too. I'm <laughs> yeah. getting, funny enough, Dan, I'm getting bored myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's play back. So now what I'm doing is I'm placing my phone in exactly the same yeah. position in a very scientific manner. And um, we're just recording the output. Would that be enough, James, do you think? Okay. Oh, yes. I, I'm not convinced there was that much difference. There. I think it was a bit clearer on the first one, a bit louder. I think you're just making that up, mate. I don't think there was any difference yeah. whatsoever. Do you? No, I, I, I didn't think there was. So uh, the one thing I was thinking, looking at it, and um, it because it you can pivot the um, the microphone. Yeah, you can. And I was just it. and I was just thinking if you were doing something like recording an interview or a lecture or something like that, you could just have it sat on on the desk with the microphone pointing at someone, that might get a better... So now, we've now got to the crux of the market they're after. <laughs> Students <laughs> that sleep through lectures yeah. and then record them. Is that yeah. right? I wouldn't know. <laughs> yes, you would. Dan, have you ever done that? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when I turned up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They, have vo- they had voice recorders, didn't they? They, they did, yeah. yeah. It was all on wax. Yeah, yeah it was a wax, <laughs> wax cylinder. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway. Um, so, w- should we have a guess on a price on it? Yeah. You wanted to like it, didn't you? I really did want to like we, it. I mean, we go to a lot of shows, so we have like our own audio equipment for that. I wasn't sure if maybe it could be something we could use if it was good enough quality, but... Obviously, well, I think it is. You know, it's, 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 you've only got to bring your phone then, haven't you? Is it so actually working? That in. I don't know. Well, the, the the shotgun design, which is the little the, the directing thing that you can you can pivot an angle, it reduces unwanted sound from the back and side. So it focus rather than just having your your phone in the air and it's picking yeah. up a three hundred and sixty degree um, sound range, it will just direct it, like you said, 
to the front of a lecture or to the person you're interviewing. If you're at a busy exhibition, okay. you've got loads of background noise. What do you reckon, Brad? Shout out. He's coming to the mic. Ooh. Hang on. What do you think? Um, <clears throat> I reckon, like what James said, um, it's probably more designed for a busier environment. Yeah, Obviously I suppose. We're in the studio. It's yeah, quite yeah, quiet anyway. We haven't got any noise background and, noise. You're yeah. not in a crowd, everything like that. So I it's think probably it could be more right. of, like you said, the unwanted noise deletion yeah. um, than, than okay. anything else. So we are, stay on the mic, Brad. Have a sit. You can stop video now. Uh, <laughs> throw that away. Yeah. Ignore that. Get the mic. Get your headphones on. Get the mic down to you, just in front of your mouth. That's it. Um, so we, first of all, need to know what you think in terms of price, Dan. What would you guess at? I'll tell you what, I'll start off. Go on, then. I'm going to go, I'd pay 10 quid for that. I'll pay 10 quid for it if it worked. True. I'm not convinced that it did. So, I, so let's ignore five. the working bit. What, looking at it and oh. the boxing. Uh, yeah, t- 10, pa- 10 yeah, pounds. I, I'd say I'll pay £11.99. Pounds pounds Brad, what would you pay? I think I'm in the similar ballpark. I might stretch to £15, pounds 15 depending quid. on whether it could be proved to work okay. in a noisy uh, environment. Yeah. yeah. Okay, none of you are quite spot on. Brad is the closest. £19.95 pounds this cost. You are joking. I've been mugged off against it. Yeah, you have. It keeps happening. Yeah, you have, yeah. <laughs> Is it? Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, incredible. Twenty quid. Yeah. M- it muff, it, maybe it's the um. It, maybe it's the muff for it. Oh yeah. Oh, oh. I tell you what, it's worth nothing now because I've just <laughs> dropped it. <laughs> Can't return. Oh that. my god. <laughs> At least your iPhone's not broken. No, nearly. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, so, uh, what do we think? Either it rocks or back in the box. Okay. Steve? So I'm going to say it's definitely going back in the box <laughs> yeah. for twenty pounds. No. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm saying back in back in the poorly made box. Yeah, the flimsy. Brad, what do you reckon? I mean, my main problem would be that if I was in a lecture asleep, as we spoke about previously, I've probably got my music in. I'm probably listening to music at the same time, which you can't do, do with the functionality of that microphone. Do you know good, what? He's he? not stupid as he looks, <laughs> is he? So um, yeah, that is such a good point. It's actually, definitely, really definitely yeah. going to be back in the box for me. Yeah, uh, yeah, back in the box. Uh, it's a bit too expensive and. We're un um, well, we're, we're uncertain on the actual quality yeah. that it's going to add to your recordings. No, we'll stick with the badger. I, I would say so. I'm saying you know I think back in the box until further studies are yeah. conclusive or price reduced. Also, because I've dropped it, you may want that warranty card. There you go. You've <laughs> got, got to pay Dan, twelve months. <laughs> Dan, you'll have to pay for the shipping back to wherever it came from. Uh, anyway, James, thank you for that. It's okay. So it is a unanimous back in the box. Yeah, so we're now going to go to a pre-record and we've got Dean Andrews, who's an associate tax specialist from Eversheds, and he's going to talk to us a little bit about Seed Enterprise Investment Scheme. So um, today I'm with Dean Andrews and he's an associate uh, tax specialist in the London office of Eversheds. Eversheds, huge, big, well-known, very, very professional law firm. And um, a lot of the people who listen to the Tech Talk show have got new businesses. And I get people asking me quite a lot about EIS and SEIS scheme. And should they should they register for this and what does it mean? So Dean's going to tell me all about it. Uh, welcome, Dean. Um, so in the first instance, what is EIS? What does it stand for? So EIS stands for Enterprise Investment Scheme. And quite similarly, SEIS stands for Seed Enterprise Investment Scheme. And I think the easiest way uh, to think of the two are they offer 
very similar tax breaks to individuals who invest in companies. One, EIS is aimed at for bigger, more developed companies. SEIS is aimed at much smaller, earlier stage companies. So if I was a startup and um, I, I maybe got some investment ready, um, and I'm, I'm, but I want maybe a bit more investment, um, this is not for me as such. It's for an investor to, I suppose, um, incentivise them to actually put their money in because they're going to get some, some tax breaks. That's right. So it's an acknowledgement by the government that investing in early stage businesses is can be a lot bigger uh, risk than investing in, say, British Airways or much more established businesses. So they offer the individuals who look to invest in these startups quite significant tax incentives to acknowledge the risk they're taking by investing in them. So if we take two steps here, so I'm going to have a look at it from from my startup point of view. You know, how do I how do I get my you know company registered for it to attract all these people with lots of money in their pockets <laughs> and then secondly let's have a look at the investor and what what, what uh, benefit it is for them so i've started up i've got an accountant um what, what do i do in, a, in terms of registering for eis or seis it'll be seis isn't it if i'm new really yeah so seis is aimed at um companies who have been trading for less than seven years and the requirements are that uh, well i mean th- there's it's restricted to certain types of business so for example if you wanted to go set up a uh, a new coal mining company which would probably be fairly unlikely but that would be a, a restricted activity um but there's there's restrictions on for example the number of employees you can have um as to whether you fall into the seis or eis category but hmrc have quite helpfully established something called advanced assurance whereby you can submit certain and information about your company it's a, it's a form that you fill in online and you have to fill in backing information and HMRC will then send you a certificate saying yes you satisfy the criteria for SEIS or EIS and then you can very helpfully go to the investors and say here we go HMRC have confirmed that I that my company satisfies the requirements so if you make an investment into me you'll get all these fantastic tax breaks so I get a little certificate like like 25 yard something certificate you know one of them <laughs> uh, so I get a certificate and, and that, that effectively guarantees that, that, that it's okay um, and uh, what's the sort of questions I have to fill in? And, and what, what, what are we talking about? I mean, most people who listen to this program will have less, easily less than 50 employees and it'll be sort of tech. It'll be software development and stuff like that. Is, is that normally um, eligible? Yeah, so it's really it's really any business. Um, it's at the starting position. It's any business that's trading. Um, it's just that the government have ruled out certain types of businesses that they think don't really need encouragement for investment. So it's things like if you wanted to rent properties as a business or start up your own law firm. So things that probably would not be the, the usual thing that people would consider or relate EIS and SEIS to. Um, and then you have certain financial restrictions depending on which one that you're looking at. Um, so, for example, as I said, so an SEIS company has to have less than 25 employees, whereas an EIS company can have all the way up to 250 employees. So I think you, you, stab, you think about the two of them as really for much smaller companies. SIS is, SEIS sorry, really is for much smaller companies, but EIS, you can, you can keep getting EIS funding subject to uh, a total cap on the amount of investment you can get, but up to quite significant size businesses. So for SEIS, I've got less than 25 employees. I'm, I'm doing software and stuff like that, so probably eligible. I, I go online, I get my little certificate. I presume your accountant can, can get that for you if, you if you're struggling with those questions. Um, what benefit is it to an investor then? So I've, I've, got, I've got the certificate. Um, what benefit is it to them? 
Well, very, very quickly before I go on to that, I'm, I'm pleased to say, I mean, the law firms are, breaching, are branching out to this area as well now, so that's something that we can help you with. Um, of course you can. So Evershares can help you get that certificate as well as your accountant, naturally. We can. So what, what, what you'll often see is um, HMRC, as, as with any big organisation, certainly with any government organisation, can take quite a long time to come back. But if you've got an investor chomping at the bit saying they want they want to know immediately if you, if you satisfy the criteria, then you can get something more informal from a law firm and we'll review the business for you and say, yes, we consider this satisfies the criteria and then we can go away and get the investment um, but for, for the individual himself um, it depends on whether you're looking at SEIS or EIS I think we'll stick to SEIS for our, our listeners I think that's probably the most appropriate so if we if we look at SEIS then the individual who's investing so when each year they'll have various sources of income which they'll be paying their income tax in income tax on rather um, and they can get a, a reduction of of their income tax um, of 50% of what they've invested in the business so for example if they were to invest £100,000 in your business they get an immediate £50,000 reduction in their income tax bill that year So that's literally half price for them if, if they're, they're putting that money because the, because normally they're paying so much tax and um, that's a huge incentive isn't it? It's a massive incentive Yeah it's ab- absolutely fantastic incentive because with You've got with with the risk element of it. I mean, one of the other big incentives is that you can, when you do when you do sell the business or the investor sells their interest in the business, which they have to have held for at least three years, um, they pay no capital gains on it. So that is also a huge incentive. But it's 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 that upfront income tax reduction because you get that regardless of whether the business fails or succeeds. So that's a huge advantage. But you have to have that holding for three years. That's right. Yeah. So you, there are there are lots of requirements, and and the rules are very complicated. But um, one of one of the key requirements is that you have to hold the shares for a minimum period of three years. And what happens if the company does fail, say after two years? What, what happens then for the investor? Well, there's also there's also additional benefits in terms of how. Uh, in terms of what, how you can use the losses that you get from your shares, so that can further reduce the investor's tax bill from other sources of income that they get in that year. So that's another advantage. So this is this is an amazing, isn't it, incentive <laughs> as far as paying tax is concerned. And if you're at that, that that sort of level, I would imagine that there's quite a lot of investors who are just continuously looking for SEIS investments. Yeah, I mean, and 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 another another advantage of it is that you can, if you if you've made a gain from the sale of anything. With, uh, if you've sold a nut, if you sold a business, if you sold a car, you can use that. You can use those proceeds and defer the, the tax bill on those proceeds by reinvesting it into SEIS shares. So people could quite literally sell anything and then defer their tax bill by investing in this. So the government has just do, it's done pretty much everything it can to encourage people to invest and keep reinvesting in these shares. So it's, yeah, they, I think it's been hugely popular. Sell your grandmother. <laughs> Probably not. Won't get much for that. I don't think. <laughs> So just to recap then, um, if, if you're a startup, you've got less than uh, 25 employees, you're seeking investment, go and see lawyers, maybe your accountant or whatever, and, and really un- try, try and understand the SEI scheme. Get that certificate, that little certificate that you can waive, um, and then get some help to find investors who are actively looking for SEIS schemes, because there must be loads of people out there looking, actively looking for these schemes because they want to reduce their tax bill. Yeah, so that there's, there's, I mean, there's various ways of doing it. You've got all of the, there's lots of sort of angels, investor societies who will be very useful in finding you investment. Um, and also now you have things called um, EIS, SEIS funds, where you, you don't necessarily have to get a specific person to invest in your company. You'll go to a fund who has maybe 50 people invested in the fund, and they will then invest in your company. So the, 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 the ways to find investment, not only the, the source of investment itself, is just increasing all the time as well. 
Well, that's great. So thank you very much to Dean. Dean, where would we go? Have you got uh, somewhere on Eversheds where people can find out a little bit more about SEIS? Um, we haven't got a specific EIS, SEIS page, um, but I mean, it, it's what, it, if you just sort of Google it, it comes up, it comes up very quickly. There's a huge amount of information out there on the internet on it. So Googleize it, get it, get it, get your certificate. And if you're a new uh, company and you're you're okay with giving away equity, you need to invest. Uh, you need to investigate SEIS. Thank you very much, Dean. Thank you very much. Well, there we go, Dan. That was great to hear about, wasn't it? It's great tax saving, actually. Yeah, which everyone likes doing, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't like paying tax. I don't think anybody else does, do they? <laughs> anyway, we're joined on the line from with uh, Chris Williams. Hi, Chris. How are you? Hello, nice to speak to you. I'm, I'm fine. How are you? Yeah, I'm great, thanks. Now, Chris, you're the founder of Chatter. Is that right? That's that's correct. Yes. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about Chatter and how you came about. How it how it came about. Um, certainly, like I, I've been a, a teacher, primary teacher, special school teacher for around twenty years in in Hull. And about three years ago, I was asked to lead a project in the city support to support children in nurseries with with communication and language and i decided to use tablet technology to record the language and to to allow children to to hear good quality language linked to images and um this project lasted for around two years and the culmination of that was chatter chatter is a teaching approach which is designed to accelerate progress in in early language for children it's supported by online training online resources we have an app and at the moment, we have around 200 scores and nursery scores using the approach, and it's, it's, it's growing well. And, and what sort of age range is it uh, targeted at? What, what age range are you looking at? It really starts at um, age three and, and works through in the, in the three to five bracket at first. The, um, in order to achieve their early learning goals at, at, at the age of five, children need to be able to speak fluently in sentences. And... This is what Chatter supports them doing. Currently, there's um, um, a lot of research and publicity which is really presenting quite um, a troubling landscape of language development in, in young children. And Chatter is an, uh, an intervention that's, that's really trying to, um, to turn that on its, on its head. So, um, I suppose, have you picked up on, uh, through your experience over the last 20 years, do, do you feel that communication is changing and, and that children and young people do need to look at how they develop that skill and how they go forward? Definitely, I, I do. Like I, I think children and young people today communicate in fantastic ways, which, which 20 years ago I would have found mesmerizing, that the, the number of conversations they can have, the speed they can collaborate and, and interact is astonishing. But what I find... Um, sometimes is, is that um, the technological advances in communication can yeah. be at the expense of spoken language um, yeah. development, and, that, and that's that's really what um, what I'm trying to to address with chat. I think sometimes emails, Facebook, etc., that the, the digital style of communication can reduce the amount of spoken language interactions that that, that the youngest children are involved in and it remains essential to their development and I, d I do think there's been a noticeable change over the last um, certainly the last 10 years since the smartphone 
smartphone came out, and it's mm. not it's not to be critical. I was in London the other day at, at the bet show, and I was I was lost, and asked for directions from from a couple of teenagers, and they were trying to be helpful, but they they, they really struggled to look me in the eye to tell me where to go to to to, to find my station, um, and I I. I I really felt that perhaps that oral communication skill is something that we we've got to keep high on mm. the agenda. Yeah. Uh, so, so from your um, website, um, Chris, I, I picked up a, um, a couple of statistics that there's um, in England and Scotland, twenty three percent of children are unable to speak in full sentences by the age of five, and um, and I think there's another one that says um, last year, um, eighty thousand boys in England started reception class um, struggling to speak in sentences. And I was just wondering, what what do you think are the um, are the reasons behind that? That we, we've got these, you know, these children sort of coming into school age that aren't able to follow instructions, you know, correctly. It's, it's, it's difficult to pinpoint the reasons behind hmm. um, behind that. Um, it is it is widely accepted that that the children need a language rich environment, and the more words they hear in the developmental years, so the first four years. Mm-hmm. Will, will lead them towards the oral communication. Chil- children learn to speak, um, really, from the words they hear, from the, from mm-hmm. the modelled interactions from the, from the adults, from shared reading through the use of narrative. Um, this is why we, we read to our children every day. The, the, the sequencing, the sharing of vocabulary, the language, it really builds the language in, in children. I, I do suspect sometimes, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of it myself, frequently is that the the smartphone can distract us from speaking to children um mm-hmm. and we might find ourselves sitting beside our children but there's twitter there's facebook there's linkedin there's there's our email and and, and we see that often um out and about in in restaurants or parks that people are, are communicating in a different way and perhaps the words are missing and, that, and that's that's what i suspect um may be occurring in in some instances and, mm. and and Chatter tries to, in a really positive way, turn that on its head. We use smartphone technology to give experiences and images and language associated with, with experiences to parents and carers. So to, to, to allow them almost to, um, to ask the question, what did you do today to their children, and have ready-made answers and conversations and, and interactions. But I, I, I do fear sometimes that um, the next generation of parents who are brilliant at communicating in the way that they do with the, the tools, the Snapchat, the Instagram, the Facebook, wherever they might be on any particular platform, they're going to need to talk to their children um, yeah. when they have them. And, and I, I think it's important we're aware of that and the oral language remains high on our agenda. Some of, some of the, um, the nurseries that I work in, they, they, they have signs on the wall and there'll be a, a big, big poster of a mobile phone with a line through it saying, stop, <laughs> no drop mobile phones, yeah. And this isn't an environment where you're seeing children picking up, uh, parents picking up their children from, from nursery, not even turning, turning back to look at them because yeah. whatever's on their phone is more, is more compelling. Yeah. And, and that's what I want in a, in a positive and supportive way to, to, to try to, to challenge a little. So, um, obviously, you came very much from a teaching and uh, uh, background. How hard has it been to take your skill from that and convert it into an ele- uh, a technological solution? That must have been quite difficult for you. Yeah, it it it, it has been. It's, it's been hard, but it's exciting. Yeah. Um, when I started working, my, my colleague David Andrews was um, 
an IT coordinator, and he had an internet blog, um, iPads in Primary Education. He, did, he, he persuaded me that, that, that iPads and tablets had, had the potential to support language development, and, and he had um, a, a good following across the world, and that, that meant that initially David and I were able to, um, to run a training company, and we, w- we would run courses and visit schools, and um, that allowed us to generate the income necessary, really, to, to, to develop Chatter, right. which has been quite considerable, the development of that. The, the issues now we're facing, we're, we're growing in impact. People, people are very happy with what we're offering, and, and, and it works, and, and we have research that tells us that there's, um, the research is, is working. I, I think the challenges are just getting the message out there. Sometimes people, because we use tablets, expect training on on the tablet there they might be getting it training or ipad training um but we only really offer training on the chatter approach as much as we use tablets for that and i think it's, it's just making that link um to people that are working with us that there's there's a pedagogical approach behind chatter mm. and yes we use technology as a tool as do many other um teachers and professionals um where the technology doesn't come first, it's, it, it's about the outcome for us. Um, I, I, I suppose that's that's just been the challenge getting the getting the message across. And, and so, how do, how does it actually work with the child? Is it um, that they work with um, the pad on their own, or are they will they work you know with with the device alongside a teacher? Um, you know, how, how, how does it how does it actually practically work? Sure. Um, our children don't touch the iPad or okay. Android, whatever tablet they're using. Mm-hmm. It's used as a tool by the teacher. Right. If you imagine reading a book, let's say a picture book, we turn the pages and there's the beginning and the middle and the end, and there's, there's the story, there's the sequence. What we do with Chatter is we link images on the tablet of, of a child's experience or their day. So if, if they had had a particular activity where they'd been building a train set, we might have a photograph of all the pieces before they started and then the completed layout and then the train going along it. And this is, this is really essential to early years learning. Children play, they develop experiences and responses to that. We then record our description or discussion um, on each image as we're going along with that. So we might review the activity, okay. and the child is looking at this on, them, on a tablet alongside the teacher or with a group of children, and the teacher will model the language to them. So they might say, well, first we've got our track pieces together. Next we built the brilliant train track, and then the train raced round it. And we're, we're giving the children the words all of the time, and they can record their voice as well. So they're, they're building up sequential voice recordings. That's, that's what they do. And that, that would be as um, a group activity or an individual activity and then we share that to the parents. So there's a, there's a, a share tool, a share button. And it can go by text message or email that the parents can have access to this experience and language on their own um, smartphone. Mm-hmm. In turn, they're able to discuss that with the children when they, when they come home. And the parents really like it. They like to see and hear what their children are doing and also hear their children's language develop, de- development. For me as a teacher, it's also promoting interactions at home Mm-hmm. which are really, really powerful in, the, in a child's development. So mm. we simply use the tablet as a, an audio-visual tool, a very, very basic tool to use. 
yeah, that that that's fascinating. And I was just wondering. So, so it seems like a really good approach, and and, it, and it's um, as you say, it's, it's working with language skills or um, uh, in, you know the uh, native sort of English language skills. Is there a possibility to to apply it to I don't know to, to other subjects like maths or even learning another a foreign language? And entirely, entirely. Mm. So we 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 do use um, chatter to teach foreign languages. Mm-hmm. Um, in Scotland, we have a, a Gaelic language um, project coming along. We were recently at the, at the BET show in London, and we, we have work um, in settings coming up in, in, in countries such as the Philippines teaching English. It's the same thing. And actually, the, nar- the narrative that the chatter teaches, the oral narrative beginning, middle, and end, is in every subject. Maths has a sequence and a process in every calculation. Science the same, geography, the chronology of history, it's all about sequences. And, and in the primary school curriculum, spoken language is, is a statutory element in every, every subject. So the, the children have to speak and they have to explain and they need to practice those skills. Um, and, and that's where the, the, the simple approach really is taken on board by the teacher. And it's the skill of the teacher uh, that makes the difference with the children. The teacher models the language, delivers the subject knowledge, gives the child the experiences and understanding. And all we do with, um, with chatter is we capture that language and we allow our children to rehear, rehear and rehearse the language um, in, in many contexts. I mean, I think it's a great, a great idea. And um, people can get further information from chatterlearning.com. Is that right, Chris? That's, that's correct. That's, that's our... Um, uh, website address, or if they want the UK address, chatter.co.uk. Chris, Brilliant. thank you so much. It's a really important area for uh, young people's development, and I think it's a great, great uh, product and innovation. So thank you for joining us. It's been great to hear about it. Delighted to. Thank, thank you for, for having me. Thank Cheers, you, Chris. Chris. Thank you. Bye-bye. So, Dan, yeah. I think that's great, great to hear about that, actually. That's really definitely. important. It is a real skill, isn't it, about communication and um it's very, very different to maths or other things. So, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, very right. So, uh, we're joined back by Brad. How are you doing, Brad? Yeah, not too bad. Thank Good, you. Good, mate. Good. Welcome back. And Producer James has joined us too. Hello, Producer James. Hello, Presenter Steve. Thank you. Uh, you've been thinking <laughs> about what feedback you'd give Dan, haven't you? Yes. Oh, Frank and honest. Yeah. So I've written it in a box and posted it to him. Oh, so. yeah, great. <laughs> That's really good. And have you sent the, the warranty thing back, the microphone after yeah, the break? Yeah, I'm working on that as we speak. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah, so Wish me any, luck. anyway, new stories. So um, I've got a one. Uh, Sony are bringing out a new phone uh, which has got a slow-mo camera on it, which Whoa. is four times slower than Apple or anybody else. It's called the Xperia XZ Premium. Okay. It catches video up to 960 frames per second. Mm-hmm. Impressed, Brad? Yes. Yeah, not really. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, other than sort of filming sort of BBC nature programmes, what's it for? Well, yes, you're right there. Raindrops and rain, <laughs> yeah, obviously. Yeah. The and video and shows... Grasshoppers. Here's the video. Look, it shows water pouring out Oh, just make sure I'm by the mic. Yeah. Water pouring out very slowly. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I'm not sure. Oh, look, things going on to some sort of drum. Yeah. James getting ready. That sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. In real time. Yeah, he's, he's, he's ever so slow. Isn't he? oh. uh, and the other thing they've got is a, um, it's like a film player come projector. 
No. And it's the Xperia Touch Projector. It offers a new way to use Android apps. And basically, it will project the image onto any surface. Oh, that's quite cool. Uh, the snag is it's £1,500, Dan. That's a significant snag. It is, really, it? yes. yes. It's yeah. not exactly cheap and affordable. Anyway, what news have you got? Um, sticking with mobile, it's a mobile world conference this this week. Okay. Um, so coming out of that, the, the Nokia have actually, we, we mentioned it on the show last week, um, released the 3310. Yeah. Um, 17 years after its first release. Um, and I, I'm struggling to think that they, they think it's going to be a big hit. I do too. Big success. And it's, it's received loads of publicity because yeah. it's, a, it's a fan favourite. It's the first sort of mainstream mobile. But I, I mean, like it's, so it's got 2.5G, so not even 3G. It's got a bit of web browsing you can do and a limited number of apps. Ah, but the most important thing, James, Snake. it's got an updated Snake. Yeah. Brad, <laughs> were you a Snake fan? I spent many hours playing. Yeah, it is. Well, get on the new 3310 because it's back. <laughs> but the, the single camera's only got two megapixels, and I just, I can't, unless you're one, like, one of those people that only uses your phone to phone people. It's a pub phone. I know. That's what it is. Mm. It's a, I need if something. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. No, and it's a phone that you can take out with you, lose, throw away, <laughs> stand on. And it'll keep coming and back. it'll keep coming <laughs> the back. The boomerang. Yeah, <laughs> unlike your iPhone 7 or 8, which yeah, no one wants to nick got, one of no, those. <laughs> nobody wants to nick a 3310, do they? Does it say how much it's going to retail at? 45 quid, I think, Yeah, 40 got, quid? Uh, 41.51. Yeah. But yeah, around there. Yeah, yeah. specifically. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so it's... So yeah, it's cheap, um, yeah. and it'll yeah, just get... As you go credit, I guess, and, and you get a little torch on it, probably. Yeah, probably. So, so it's a festival phone. Yeah, yeah. There is that, the charge will probably last seven days or something. Uh, it lasts a month, actually, James, because really? I did read the story <laughs> before we came on air. <laughs> I, unlike, I, unlike yourself, I, never, I actually did read. I think it. I was too young to have a thirty-three ten. That's it. Will uh, it, it will be on standby for up to a month. Yeah, and also I think there's twenty-two minute, twenty-two hours. Of talk time or call time. Wow. Yeah, so it's proper, proper. You okay, you've, you've convinced no. me. No, <laughs> Sounds just, like you're yeah. considering a purchase. No, definitely not. <laughs> so there we go. Brad, yeah. what have you got for us? Um, I was actually going to talk to you about the Sony projector, the Xperia Touch. Oh, wow. Um, sorry. Oh, just, he just, does that. He does no, it to me no, no, every no, it's week. Not a problem. Um, I do have a backup story. Oh, um, less interesting. see, James, look <laughs> and Always learn. This is how you prepare. <laughs> and I bet he's read it as well. <laughs> I, I have. I gave it a browse. Um, so Samsung have also brought out a, um, uh, a new tablet alongside their, their smartphones that they've they brought out recently. Um, it is an all-glass tablet, so it's glass on the back as well as the front. Oh, right. um, and they've brought it out in, um, in sort of as response to the Microsoft Surface yep. um, and also the iPad Pro in as many ways as it can connect to a keyboard. Brilliant. Um, so it's sort of their answer to that. Other than that, it doesn't do much new. No, so um, it's just a, just another tablet copy, doing the basically. same as previous, yeah. um, trying to be a laptop when it's not. And uh, going from there. Yeah. Mm. Sounds good. Well, thank you ever so much for everybody to joining us. Thanks to the people that joined us on the phone. And thanks to Eversheds for the great uh, pre-record. And we'll see you all next week. Next week, yeah. Thank you. Cheers, Dan. Cheers. Bye.
Ride the Wave with Glorious Channel Radio.